Welcome to the Banner of Truth broadcast. This program is brought to you by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. Your host is Pastor Jack Schumann, pastor of the Emmanuel Free Reformed Church of Abbotsford, British Columbia. And now, here is Pastor Jack Schumann. We're continuing our series of sermons today on the great doctrines of the Christian faith as they're summarized in the Belgic Confession of Faith. Today, with God's help, we will consider the subject of saving faith. And in that connection, I invite you to turn with me to Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 3. We begin reading at verse 19 to the end of the chapter. Romans 3, beginning at verse 19. Hear God's holy word. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ, to all and on all who believe. For there is no difference For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God set forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. So far the reading of the word of God. May the Lord bless the reading and preaching of his word to our hearts. Dear friends, imagine you had no hands. That would be a real disability. If you have no hands, you can't do any number of things. You cannot write, you cannot draw, you cannot grasp. Hands are absolutely essential. Unless you have hands, you simply cannot function. Well, that's true also in spiritual life, isn't it? Just as we need hands in our daily life, so we need hands in our spiritual life. And thankfully, God gives to his people such hands. They are the hands of faith. Faith are like hands because like hands, faith lays hold on Christ and all of his benefits. If we did not have faith, then none of what Christ has accomplished could benefit us in any way. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about faith, including in the passage that we just read together from Romans chapter 3. There the Apostle Paul declares in verse 28 that we are justified by faith. And so it's clear then that faith is very important. In fact, apart from faith, we cannot be saved. But what exactly is faith? Where does it come from? How does it work? And how do I know if I have it. 
These and other questions are answered in the Belgic Confession in Article 22. Article 22 marks another new section in this confession. In Article 20, we learned that God sent his Son into the world to make satisfaction for our sins. And he did this (coughs) by means of his suffering and death on the cross. Then in Article 21, we learned that the satisfaction of Christ is a complete satisfaction. By means of his sacrifice, believers are made perfect forever. Well, now in this article, we learn how these benefits become ours. It is by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, with this in mind and God's help, let's consider this article under the theme, Saving Faith. And we'll consider, first of all, its source, secondly, its object, and thirdly, its benefit. This article begins by declaring, and I quote, that to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Ghost kindles in our hearts an upright faith. Now, the mystery spoken of here is the mystery of salvation in Jesus Christ. In calling salvation in Christ a mystery, our confession is merely echoing the language of Scripture. For many times, the New Testament refers to salvation in Christ as a mystery. For example, in Mark 4, verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, To you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And in Romans 16, verse 25, the Apostle Paul refers to the gospel as, I quote, the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. And similarly, in Ephesians 6, verse 19, the same apostle prays that he might open his mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Now, most of the time, we associate the word mystery with something that cannot be explained. But the ancient Greeks used it in another way. They spoke of a mystery as something that was once veiled, but is now revealed. And that's certainly true of salvation in Christ. Although the prophets of the Old Testament foretold the coming of Christ, they remained veiled until such time as God revealed him in the fullness of time. Now, that's the word that's used here, and this is how it is used here. When we, what we are confessing here is that the only way that we can understand this mystery of salvation in Christ, it is by faith. Now, that begs the question, what exactly is faith? Well, another one of the Reformed confessions, the Heidelberg Catechism, defines faith like this. True faith is not only a certain knowledge whereby I hold for truth all that God has revealed to us in his word, but also an assured confidence (coughs) which the Holy Ghost works by the gospel in my heart, that not only to others, but to me also, remission of sin, everlasting righteousness and salvation are freely given by God, merely of grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. Now, according to this definition, faith consists of two basic elements. First is a certain knowledge. Faith is rooted in knowledge. In this case, the knowledge of the scriptures. 
In speaking, making that statement, the Catechism is teaching us that faith must have a foundation. <clears throat> faith is not a feeling. It's not an experience, although it doesn't go without feelings and experiences either. But it is fundamentally a belief. It is a conviction that what the Bible says is true. Now that implies, of course, that in order to have true faith, one must be at least somewhat acquainted with the teachings of Scripture. Faith doesn't just pop out of nowhere, so to speak. Faith, Paul says in Romans 10, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And that means if we want to receive the gift of faith, or if we want our faith to grow, we have to regularly read, study, and meditate upon the Word of God. Secondly, it is stated here that faith is also an assured confidence. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means that we must not only know what the, what the Bible teaches, we must also believe it in our hearts. We must rest in it. We must stake our hope for eternity on it. And these two things must never be separated. A faith that is all knowledge and no confidence is just cold, sterile intellectualism. It has, we could say, lots of head but no heart. On the other hand, a faith that is all confidence and no knowledge is just emotionalism and subjectivism. It has lots of heart but no head. Now over and against both of these tendencies, the Heidelberg Catechism says that faith is both a certain knowledge and an assured confidence. Now where does that faith come from? Having seen what it is, where does it come from? What is its source? Well, let's be very clear, such faith does not come from ourselves. No one can give himself faith. Faith comes from God. And that's clearly what the Scriptures teach. In Ephesians 2, verse 8, Paul says, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So faith is not something that we produce from within. It is the gift of God. It comes from God. More specifically, faith is worked. The language of our confession is, it is kindled in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Now, that word kindle here reminds us of a fire or a flame that spreads light in the darkness. By nature, our hearts and minds are spiritually dark. We neither understand nor care to understand the truth that God has revealed to us in his word. But when the Holy Spirit begins to work this faith in our hearts, our hearts are illumined by the grace and truth of the Spirit of Christ. Someone once said this, and I quote, Faith is a lamp of God. It is the opening of the eyes of the soul. By its light we again see things as they really are. We come to see our sins and ourselves as transgressors, and we realize our lost condition before God. We proceed earnestly to seek our salvation without ourselves in Jesus Christ. By its light we see the value, the indispensability, the preciousness of Jesus Christ and of his work for our salvation. So this faith is kindled by the Holy Spirit. What is more, it says here that this faith is kindled in our hearts. 
Faith is not simply a matter of the intellect. It is a matter of the heart, and therefore also of the feelings. It is a hearty, joyous confidence, a blessed experience of trust and consequent peace that comes from placing our hope in Jesus Christ. Well, my friends, having understood what faith is and what is its source, let me ask you, do you have this faith? If you do not, then you must go to the Lord and you must ask him to work it in your heart. I can't give it to you. Children, young people, your parents can't give it to you. Only God can give it to you. And therefore you need to go to him. In fact, you must do so. Unless you have this faith, you cannot be saved. Faith, therefore, has its source in God, specifically in the Holy Spirit. But what is its object? That brings us to our second point. Yes, faith must have an object. It's not enough for us to say, I have faith. Faith itself cannot save us. Only the object of our faith can save us. Well, what is the object of faith? Well, the Belgian Confession clearly says that the object of faith is Christ and all his merits. Let me quote from this article. We believe that to attain the true knowledge of this great mystery, the Holy Ghost kindles in our hearts an upright faith, now listen carefully, which embraces Jesus Christ with all his merits, appropriates him, and seeks nothing more besides him. Now here we learn that faith does three things with reference to Christ. First of all, it embraces him. To embrace means to lay hold on. That's what faith does. It lays hold on Christ. Think of the Shulamite in the Song of Solomon. You remember the time when she woke up in the middle of the night and she found that her, that her beloved was not there in bed with her. And so she got out of bed and she searched high and low. She called his name. She even went out into the streets and the alleyways of the city. She searched for him everywhere she could think. And eventually she found him. And we read there that when she found him, she would not let him go. Now that's the idea here. Faith lays hold on Christ and does not let him go because he is everything we need and could ever possibly desire. Secondly, this article says that faith appropriates him. To appropriate means to take unto oneself. And that's what faith does. It not only embraces Christ, it also appropriates or takes him unto oneself. Thirdly, faith says, faith seeks nothing more besides him. Now, most likely this phrase was added to counter the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church, even to this day, teaches that we're saved by faith plus works. But our confession says that we are saved by faith and faith alone. The Latin expression is sola fide, one of the five solas of the Reformation. In fact, this is precisely what the Apostle Paul teaches in the passage of Scripture that we read, Romans 3, specifically in verse 28. 
thereafter establishing that all men are guilty before God because of their sin, Paul concludes in chapter 3, verse 20, that by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. In other words, no one can be saved by keeping the law for the simple reason that no one can keep the law. Well, that begs the question, how then can we we be saved? Well, Paul tells us in verse 28, Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. So there you have it. We're justified, we're declared righteous by faith in Jesus Christ apart from the works of the law. In fact, the works of the law contribute absolutely nothing towards our justification before God. We're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now that bears repeating also in our own day. Our natural tendency is to think that we can somehow earn the favor of God by the things that we do or the things that we don't do. Now, we would never say so publicly, of course. We know better than that. But deep down, that's what we believe. But our confession reminds us that faith seeks nothing more besides Christ. Now, why is that so important? Well, our confession goes on to explain that in the next sentence. And I quote, For it must needs follow either that all things which are requisite or required for our salvation are not in Jesus Christ, Or, if all things are in him, that then those who possess Jesus Christ through faith have complete salvation in him. Therefore, for any to assert that Christ is not sufficient, but that something more is required besides him, would be too gross a blasphemy. For hence it would follow that Christ was but half a saviour. Our confession here echoes the words of Lord's Day 11, question and answer 30 of the Heidelberg Catechism. There the question is asked, do such then believe in Jesus, the only Savior, who seek their salvation and welfare of saints, of themselves or anywhere else? And the answer is, they do not. For though they boast of him in words, yet in deeds they deny Jesus, the only Deliverer and Savior. For one of these two things must be true, that either Jesus is not a complete Savior, or that they who by a true faith receive this Savior must find all things in him necessary to their salvation. So both the Belgian Confession and the Heidelberg Catechism follow the same line. Either Jesus is a complete Savior and we need nothing else besides him, or he is not. It is either one or the other. Well, what about you? What is the object of your faith? What do you believe will get you into heaven? What are you trusting in? Are you trusting in Christ alone? Or are you, like Roman Catholics, trusting in Christ plus something else? My friend, none of those things can save you. To borrow the words of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, they are nothing but dung before God. There's only one way that we can stand before God and live, and that is by faith in Christ alone. Now that's not to say, of course, that works are not important. They are. Without them, we cannot say that we have true faith. And that's the point the Apostle James makes. But, and this is the point, they do not count for anything towards our salvation. We are saved by faith and faith alone. 
Now, does that mean that our faith saves us? No, it doesn't. Faith is only the instrument of our salvation. Our confession explains that with these words, and I quote, However, to speak more clearly, we do not mean that faith itself justifies us, for it is only an instrument with which we embrace Christ our righteousness. But Jesus Christ, imputing to us all his benefits and so many holy works which he hath done for us and in our stead, is our righteousness. And faith is an instrument that keeps us in communion with him in all his benefits, which, when they become ours, are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. So here the point is made that that when we say that we're saved by faith, we do not mean that we are saved on the basis of our faith. That's uh, That's the Arminian teaching and the Roman Catholic teaching. Arminians and Roman Catholics teach that we are elected and consequently saved on the basis of what they call foreseen faith. So God from all eternity saw that we would have faith in him and on that basis he elected us to salvation. So faith then becomes the basis for our salvation. But our confession following following the teaching of Scripture denies that completely. We're not saved on the basis of faith, but rather by the instrumentality of faith. Faith is merely the instrument by which we receive Christ and all his benefits. Let me give you an illustration. Children, when you want something to drink, you take a cup and you pour something into it, whether that's water or, or juice or milk. The cup is an instrument. It is that which carries the liquid to your mouth and down your throat. Well, that's what faith is like. Faith is an instrument. It is that by which the sinner receives Christ and all his benefits. Now, what a glorious truth that is. You see, beloved, if we were saved on the basis of our faith, then none of us could be saved. You say, why not? Well, because none of us has perfect faith. Even the most godly believer must often complain about the weakness of his faith. But thanks be to God, we are not saved on the basis of our faith, but by the instrumentality of faith. And that faith doesn't have to be perfect faith. It doesn't have to be necessarily a strong faith or a perfectly assured faith. It just has to be faith. Yes, even the weakest faith saves. Even the weakest faith receives Christ and all of his benefits. Now that doesn't mean, of course, that we should be content with a weak faith. We shouldn't. It should be the desire of every believer to grow in faith. Farmers know that an irrigation canal must be carefully maintained, otherwise it will not bring enough water to their fields. And so it is with faith. Faith must be deepened and strengthened and widened The stronger and deeper and wider our faith is, the more assured we will be and the more we will enjoy living out of the benefits of Jesus Christ. This is why it's so important to spend time in meaningful personal devotions and prayer and Bible reading and attending the worship services of your church and and attending Bible studies and so on. It's through these means that the Lord is pleased to deepen and to strengthen our faith. The stronger and deeper our faith becomes, the greater assurance, enjoyment, and peace we will have. So the object of faith is Christ, who becomes ours by faith. Now what's the benefit of faith? That brings us to our third and final point. Yes, there are many benefits to having saving faith. When we have saving faith, we have peace with God. 
We are adopted as sons and daughters of God. We become indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We have the gift of everlasting life. And I could go on and on. And all of these benefits are wonderful. But there is one benefit that is, that is even more wonderful. And it's specified here in this article. It is the benefit of communion with Christ and of all his benefits. This article mentions that at the end of this, this article mentions at the end of this article when it says that faith, and I quote, faith is an instrument that keeps us in communion with him in all his benefits, which when they become ours are more than sufficient to acquit us of our sins. So faith keeps us in communion with Christ. And communion with Christ is the greatest blessing that any believer can ever enjoy in this life. When we have communion with Christ, we have everything. We have a prophet who can teach us. We have a priest who can atone for us and intercede for us. We have a king who can defend us and reign over us. And what is more, when we have communion with Christ, when we we become partakers of all of his benefits. What are these benefits? They refer to all the benefits that flow to the believer. All the benefits that I've already mentioned, the forgiveness of sins and and everlasting life and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and, and the adoption of sons. These are all the benefits that flow to us by faith in Jesus Christ. And so we see what a great blessing it is to have true saving faith. My friend, when we have this faith, we have everything that we need. We have Christ and we have all of his benefits. Oh, do you have such faith? If you do not, go to the Lord. He's the only one who can give it to you. And I can tell you, the basis of his word, that he delights to give it to all who believe on his name, to all who have come to an end in themselves, who know that they cannot save themselves, that their only hope is in Jesus Christ and in his sacrifice on the cross and his perfect righteousness. The Lord will most surely grant that faith to embrace Christ and all of his benefits. Oh, may the Lord give us such faith so that with these hands of faith we may embrace him and receive everything we need from him. Amen. We always appreciate hearing from our listeners. If you were blessed by or have a comment on the message you've heard today, we'd very much appreciate hearing from you. Our mailing address is Banner of Truth, 3386 Mount Lehman Road. Lehman is spelled L-E-H-M-A-N and that's in Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X2M9. Or you can email us at banneroftruth at frcna.org. For those who take the time to write, I will gladly send you a free copy of the Belgic Confession of Faith so that you can more easily follow along as I explain each of its 37 articles. If you would like to listen to the message you have just heard again, or if you would like more information about our program, including how to contact us and how to listen to other messages on this program, please visit our website at Banner of Truth Radio. That's all one word, banneroftruthradio.com. Support for this program is provided by the Free Reformed Churches of North America. For more information about our churches, including where you can find a church nearest you, please visit our denominational website at www.frcna.org. 
Your financial support for this program is welcome and deeply appreciated. If the Lord has placed on your heart a desire to help us to offset the costs of broadcasting this program on this station, you can send us a check in any amount. Again, our mailing address is 3386 Mount Lehman Road, L-E-H-M-A-N, Abbotsford, British Columbia, V4X, 2M9. Or you can go to our webpage and make a donation right on the webpage. Our webpage, again, is banneroftruthradio.com. Please remember that the Lord would have his people come together to worship him. And for that reason, we urge you not to use this or any other radio program as a substitute for being an active, contributing member of a faithful, Bible-believing church. Thank you for listening, and now until next week, may the Lord be with you all.